I grew up in a really supportive family. I played a ton of sports. I was a good student. I was definitely what you would call a perfectionist. And when I was 13, at the beginning of eighth grade, I had a really terrifying experience in front of the bathroom mirror one night. I was middle school president, and the first assembly of the school year was happening that week. And I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was brushing my teeth in front of the mirror, thinking about the week ahead. And over the course of a few minutes, I think it was, I ended up basically losing touch with myself, with my body, with my identity, until I reached a point at which a stranger was looking back at me in the mirror. And this experience completely baffled me and terrified me, and I didn't know what to do, and I didn't understand what was happening. And something told me that I couldn't talk about it with anyone, and so I just tucked it away, despite the fact that I felt like I was a fraud, like I was an actor kind of performing this part in my life that wasn't authentic. But eventually that pressure just became too much and I began to get really angry and I began to lash out at home. I would get physical with my mom sometimes, you know, pushing her, lashing out at her, telling everyone how much I hated them. I eventually started to cut myself. It felt like a way to channel all of the chaos that I had inside of me into something that I had control over. The anger, I think, arose out of feeling very powerless. I realized in that moment that I was a part of this big system around me that was driving me to want to be perfect and to want to perform well and to do all of these things that I thought I was supposed to do. But I didn't know what to do with that. I couldn't just stop everything. It was who I was. My parents got really concerned. And they ended up doing what most parents in our society today are taught to do when their child is having a tough time. They found a therapist for me. She was perfectly nice. She was actually a family therapist. And the first time I went, we actually went as a family. All of us went. But I was sent alone after that and so I took that as a very powerful message that I was the problem and something was wrong with me and that I needed to be fixed and of course that just made me more alienated and more and more angry. I eventually was sent to a psychiatrist and she had enough information to say at the end of our first session that my anger and my rage and my irritability were symptoms of mania and that you know of course I was also very despairing and in a dark place so That was my depression and basically that I had bipolar disorder. And I was put immediately on Depakote and Prozac. And that felt like such a profound violation of my personhood to basically be in all this pain, which I now see was incredibly meaningful and very typical of being a 13, 14-year-old kid. And then to basically be told, you have a lifelong brain disease. You need to take these drugs for the rest of your life. I rejected the diagnosis and I did whatever I could to avoid taking the pills and I would hide them in my closet and I went away to boarding school to get a fresh start and I was able to avoid the mental health system a lot in high school and then by the time I got to Harvard I was so profoundly unhappy, so lost, so disoriented in my life, feeling so empty inside you know, 
in shock at the fact that I'd spent my whole life working so hard to get into a place like Harvard, thinking that I would feel happy and okay and worthy once I got there. And then I got there and nothing was different. And so I felt so hopeless by that point that I myself voluntarily went back to the mental health system. And from that moment on, I was basically a totally compliant, good patient until I wasn't. The more I turned to the mental health system for help, actually, the more my life continued to fall apart. And I somehow made it through college. But by the time I graduated, I'd already been in an institution. I was in tons of therapy. I was on tons of medications. And basically, my life consisted of, you know, trying to survive the day so that I could get to the evening so that I could drink myself into a blackout and pass out and then do the whole thing over again like my life had no meaning and I attributed it all to serious and persistent mental illness I was told my bipolar disorder was treatment resistant because you know I was on four or five medications and they weren't doing anything and I was getting worse and worse and so that's the story I believed and the more I believed that the more I believed that I was just sentenced to this life of having a broken brain and that I'd always be reliant on professionals to take care of me and I'd have to go into hospitals and I might never be able to work or have a family because of how sick I was. I mean, it just made increasingly less sense to me to be alive. I basically just bumbled around in life for the next two years in and out of day treatment and outpatient programs and taking five medications and Now that I've been off of psychiatric drugs for over five years, I can look back and see how profoundly impacted I was by the drugs. My weight fluctuated 60 pounds, you know, my hair fell out. I had literally no sexual function whatsoever. I had chronic headaches, chronic stomach problems in terms of cognitive function, you know, memory problems and inability to absorb words when I read them, problems with word recall, problems with articulating myself. And mentally, I just had all of these very kind of obsessive compulsive thought patterns, ruminating on things like really also feeling at the mercy of my mind. And of course, those were all called symptoms of my mental illness. And never once did anyone suggest, you know, maybe these five powerful psychiatric drugs you're on, you know, an anti-anxiety drug, a mood stabilizer, an antipsychotic, an antidepressant, maybe they're causing some of these. I definitely don't think that the drugs caused 100% of the problems that I had, but they definitely impacted me profoundly. And I think a variety of the additional psychiatric diagnoses that I was given, including, you know, binge eating disorder, social anxiety disorder, And actually the borderline personality disorder too, now that I think about it, I mean, all of those so-called symptoms of those so-called conditions, most of them were rooted in the drugs themselves because I, I, I just, now that I've been off of the drugs for so long, I mean, everything about who I am, not just kind of my body and my physical health, but also my cognitive processing, my relationship to my emotions, my personality, the values that I have, the way I connect with other people. I mean, it's like night and day. I see now that it was a series of seemingly small events that led up to one experience that was my aha moment. 
The first one was an encounter I had with a psychiatrist. He had gotten the sense that I wasn't, you know, quote unquote safe and had told me that I needed to go inpatient. And I didn't disagree with him. I just wanted to go the next day. I wanted to be able to go to my aunt and uncle's house where I was living at the time and get my belongings. And he said no. And I began to get disturbed by that. And so security was called and I had a nice little encounter with them and they escorted me kindly over to the unit and they gave me the so-called choice of going voluntarily or involuntarily. Up until that point, I had been an entirely compliant patient. I prided myself on that because the only identity I had by that time was basically mental patient and so I was good at it. The next event was around a drug that they told me I had to take to keep me from drinking alcohol. And I didn't want to take it. I had stopped drinking on my own and I wanted to do it on my own. And they basically forced me to take this drug. And that really pissed me off. And the third event happened after I'd slept through a therapy appointment. And my therapist called the police to do a wellness check on me. After those three events happened, I was basically forced to reckon with my relationship to the system and with the lack of power that I had over my life, over my body, over my freedom. And I couldn't unknow it. Once I saw these things, there was really no going back for me. What ended up really awakening me was accidentally stumbling upon a book a month or two later and it was called Anatomy of an Epidemic by Robert Whitaker. To summarize it very briefly, Whitaker delves into the science and the research on psychiatric drugs, and in particular their long-term use. And what he finds is that the story the science is really telling us is very different than the story we've been led to believe as a society, and that the long-term use of psychiatric drugs is associated with increased disability, basically, you know, physical illness, social disability, emotional dysfunction, increased risk of suicide and homicide. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I was sitting there reading this book on five drugs, and it just dawned on me in that moment that he was telling my story. And that was all I needed, really, to find the strength in me to get out. And it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life to come off the drugs to extricate myself from you know the doctor patient relationships that I was in and especially to reach a point where I was able to let go of the mentally ill identity that had been at the core of who I was for so many years when you internalize this idea that your brain is broken basically the seed of your soul your mind you know the part of you that shapes everything about who you are when you're taught to believe that that's broken and that you can't trust yourself you can't trust your emotions you can't trust your mind I mean it instills in you just a profound fear over all of these years I developed this relationship of faith in the mental health system and no faith in myself and tremendous fear of myself and so I think unpacking that has been at the heart of this whole journey, realizing, wait a minute, if I'm not broken and if the struggles that I've gone through aren't symptoms of an illness, what are they? Maybe they're actually important and meaningful, like maybe they're telling me something. I began to listen to my pain and to listen to my darkness. And it's brought me back to this 
spiritual journey that I think was really beginning way back when I was 13 around, you know, who am I? How do I fit into this world? What are the stories I've been taught to believe about how you're meant to live your life and what it means to be normal and worthy and acceptable? And I just kind of step by step began to trust in myself again. The further I've gotten off of the drugs, the more deeply connected I've begun to feel to my body, to nature, to kind of this life force that we're all a part of, like almost at this energetic level. Like the drugs, I realized, you know, all those meds just numbed me and disconnected me in such deep, profound ways. There's a lot of suffering and struggle and, you know, if you want to call it madness out there in the world. So it's a very real and oftentimes debilitating thing. And so when I contest the medical model of mental illness, I'm not contesting the reality of serious struggles that people have, but I'm contesting the medicalization of those struggles, especially for young people, because I mean, heck, like being 12, 13, 14, like, hello, puberty, everything, your hormones are crazy. Everything's crazy. You don't know who you are. There's tension at school, bullying, stress, all of these things. I mean, life is meant to be really hard, especially at that time. And so if I was going to be talking with a young person who was having a tough time, I mean, the first thing I think I would say is, you know, what you're feeling is very meaningful. And the pain that you're feeling and the darkness that you're feeling, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you're really attuned to what's happening around you and there's something perhaps in your relationship to the world around you that's out of alignment or that you're not sure of or that you're scared about or confused about and so to listen to that struggle rather than see it as a symptom to get rid of 